Shalom. Holy Scriptures and Israel is a ministry designed to share with the Jewish people the good news of the Lord Jesus Yeshua the Messiah and to instruct Christians on the Jewish roots of their faith. And now, teaching God's Word from a Hebrew Messianic perspective, here is Gideon Levitam. Shalom everyone, uh, this is Brother Gideon Levitam. I thank the Lord that we can continue on with our study together of this uh, 23rd chapter of the book of Vayikra. And he called Leviticus chapter 23. This is a, an amazing chapter. It helps us to see the plan and the program of God. Not only for Israel, not only for the body of Messiah, for the church, the ecclesia, but also for the whole world. God has a program, he has a plan, and he had given it to the nation of Israel through the seven Moadim, the seven feasts. They are called, as we have already looked at in the uh, first two verses of Leviticus chapter 23, the Lord himself called them the feasts of the Lord. These are my feasts, my appointed seasons. The word moed in Hebrew simply means an appointed season. It's a time whereby Israel is to keep that particular feast required by the Lord, but actually, beloved friend, the, there is a plan that God is intending to fulfill until the days will come when the kingdom of God will be established upon the face of this earth where God will be all in all. What a wonderful plan. But as we mentioned, men fall, fell into sin and the men departed from God. And God had chosen a nation called the nation of Israel. Through Israel, he's intending to bring the Mashiach, the Messiah. And the Messiah, which will be the seed, not only the seed of the woman, but also the seed of Abraham, he will eventually become the one that will reign supreme here in this world. Everyone is waiting for the Mashiach, right? Well, here is the plan that God gives us in His Word. In His Word. And so we mention that these are His feasts. We mention that He gave the Shabbat day, Leviticus 23, verse 3, for the people of Israel, a Shabbat day of rest, which Israel to keep every week on the seventh day. And that rest, as God had rested from His work, Israel is to rest from there, to cease from work and to Lashevet, Lishbot, and the to rest on that Shabbat, which we look forward to the Shabbat rest that the world is yet awaiting for when the fullness of the time will come. Then we looked uh, in verses uh, uh, 4 and 5 of Leviticus chapter 23, and we have seen how everything began with that Passover lamb. 
we read on the 14th day of the first month, at even it is the Lord's Passover. That's all. One verse, verse 5, that spoke specifically about the Passover. And everything began with God passing over, Pasach, over the Hebrews, our own forefathers who were slaves in Egypt and were brought into redemption, into liberty, into freedom out of bondage into freedom on the basis of the blood of a lamb. Remember, we read in Exodus chapter 12, where God spoke about that lamb, that he, this lamb must be without blemish, a male in contrast to a female, one year old and one of the flock, or of the uh, sheep of the people of Israel. We have looked already and we saw <clears throat> that clearly this lamb, Passover lamb, spoke about the Messiah who would come, who would shed his blood. And sure, indeed, he came. His name was Yeshua, and he died on a Roman cross for the sin of this world. Yohanan, the baptizer, Declared already in John 1.29, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of this world. And indeed, in John chapter 19, in the Brit HaChadashah, in the New Covenant, we read that he laid down his life. He gave up the spirit, and he died. You remember that the prophets of Israel predicted this. As a lamb, he was led to the slaughter, Isaiah said, in chapter 53. My God, my God, Eli, Eli, lama azavtani, lama shvaktani, David prophetically said about the Messiah. And indeed he came. Yeshua ben David, the son of David. Wonderful. But now, in the next verses, we are going to speak a little bit today about the Feast of Unleavened Bread. In Hebrew, we call it Chag HaMatzot. Matzah is a bread which has no leaven. Leaven in the Hebrew scripture always spoke about evil. You know, you take yeast, you put it in dough, and the dough rises, and you get a nice loaf of bread. Well, notice what we read in Leviticus chapter 23, verses 6, 7, and 8. And on the 15th day of the same month, is the feast of unleavened bread unto the Lord. Seven days ye must eat unleavened bread. In the first day ye shall have an holy convocation. Ye shall do no servile work therein, God said to Israel through Moshe. But ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord for seven days. In the seventh day is an holy convocation ye shall do no servile work therein. Notice God have allotted these three verses here in Leviticus 23, verses 6, 7, and 8 to speak or to instruct our forefathers concerning the feast of unleavened bread. It was very clearly it was given to us here in this passage that it will be on the 15th day of the same month. To remind you that that was the month of Nisan, 
Nisan is in the Aviv, in Hebrew, the spring. And during the, usually the month of uh, March and April, the feast of Pesach is being kept by our forefathers. All manner of leaven must be removed. There was no leaven to be had in our homes, in the Jewish homes. God have already have instructed Moshe to tell Israel already then and there when they were in Egypt, linking that with the feast of Pesach, that leaven must be removed from the Hebrews' homes. To remind you, in Exodus chapter uh, 12, it says in verse 15, Seven days shall ye eat unleavened bread. Even the first day ye shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. Amazing. Amazing. In other words, God demanded that at the same time, Pesach, or the 14th day of the month of Nisan, and now the unleavened bread on the 15th day of the month of Nisan, leaven had to be removed. No Israeli could eat any manner of leaven. The houses had to be cleaned completely from leaven. And if anyone will eat unleavened bread, according to this passage, as it says here at the end of verse 15, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. Now it makes you wonder, you know, when, when you read such a passages as this, it's really, it makes you wonder, why did God ask our forefathers to remove all leaven from their home? Why? Why is it that for seven days, not one day, not two days, not three days, but seven days, then remember the number seven speak of fullness, complete number? For a full measure of time, our people, the Jewish people, were required not to eat any leaven and to remove it from their homes. And if anyone will eat leaven and and have leaven in their home, that soul should be cut off from among his people. God says it in Exodus chapter 12 and verse 15. And Israel had to adhere to it. You know, up till today, the conservative among our people still have to remove leaven from their homes. I remember as a little boy how my grandmother and my mother and my aunt would not even let me come into the house without to take my shoes off, lest leaven have been placed on the sole of the shoes and you would bring it into the house and it will be remaining in the house during the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Pesach. They took it seriously, as many take it today. But you see, it is amazing. Because while it is true that God demanded to take an, a lamb without any blemish, to make sure that it is a young lamb, a male, one of the flock that belong to the people of Israel, your own lamb, 
kill it, take its blood, place it on the doorpost and the, door the lintel, because God was going to judge that night. Everyone and every home that had no blood on the doorpost and the lintel. And he surely did, as we have talked about it in a previous message, on the Pesach, on the Passover. And how beautifully this is spoke to us about the Mashiach, the Messiah, that as a lamb he was led to the slaughter. You remember Isaiah chapter 53? All we like sheep have gone astray, Isaiah said. We have turned everyone to his own way, but the Lord laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He said some 700, 750 years before the Lord Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah, was born in the city of Bethlehem. We also notice in our previous session that he indeed became the Lamb of God because he fulfilled exactly what Isaiah had said. He came in the right time, in the right season. And he died a substitutionary death. They pierce my hands and my feet. The psalmist of Israel, David, said by divine design, speaking about the Messiah. And surely enough, when the Lord Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah, came, John the baptizer says, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of this world. And indeed, the Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, took upon himself the sin of the world when he cried, Eli, Eli, lama azavtani. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You see, none of us can say that God forsake us. Not David, not Isaiah, nor any of the prophets of Israel, nor any of the people of Israel, not any man in the whole universe from Adam till today can ever say that God forsook him. God never forsook anyone. The very fact that we have breath shows us that God has not forsaken us. But there was someone that God had to forsake. Just like that lamb that our forefathers killed, about 3,500 years ago in the land of Egypt, an innocent lamb had done nothing amiss. The Messiah Yeshua had to be punished, the just one for the unjust, in order to bring sinners, us, to God. And indeed, he cried in the Gospels we read, in the Brit HaChadashah, the New Covenant, it is finished. And he laid out the Spirit, and he died the substitutionary death as the Passover lamb. But who is that one? See, that is exactly why the feast of unleavened bread, Chag HaMatzot, represent. You see, leaven in scripture always represent evil. It speaks of pride and arrogance that men have by nature. It speaks of that which dishonored God and the proud man lifted up himself and saying, I don't need God. I am better than anyone else. I am okay. I am fine. You remember what the psalmist said? And I'm going to read just a few verses from Psalm 75. We read the warning of God that said, 
I said unto the fools, Deal not foolishly. And to the wicked, lift not up thine horn. The word for horn, keren, in Hebrew speaks of strength. Don't lift up thy strength, assuming that you are strong. Lift not up your horn on high. Speak not with a stiff neck. Don't be proud and stiff neck. Don't be proud and arrogant. Don't have, yes, you might say, leaven practice and active in your life. For promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. But God is the judge. He putteth down one, and he setteth up another. In other words, beloved friends, pride comes before a fall, and because all of us have fallen and come short of the glory of God, all of us have inherited a leavened nature, an evil nature. Not only evil inclination, no, it is an evil nature. David said, in sin did my mother conceive me. Already when I was in the womb of, of my mother, I have already inherited a sin nature. His son Shlomo said, That there is not one man upon the face of the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. That's the truth. We have inherited a sin nature since the fall of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Delight, the Garden of Eden. In fact, one of the clearest scripture that our forefather gave us years ago, the psalmist of Israel, David, the beloved one of the Lord, he said about the fool, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt, God is saying, speaking about the fool and speaking about all humanity who have, who have fallen into sin. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none, listen to this, beloved friend, there is none that doeth good, not even you, and not even I. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. You know what the conclusion? They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good, not even you, not even I, not even one. <laughs> this is so humbling, isn't it? That shows us, beloved friend, that here we are. In order for us, who have fallen into the sin nature, to be right with a holy and a righteous God, someone had to be penalized. And become a substitute for us. And how wonderful it is for us to know today that there is a Redeemer, there is a Savior, there is a Messiah, there is someone who became the Passover Lamb, the one that was the sinless one, the undefiled one, the one who was separate from sinners, and his name, of course, is Yeshua. You know, that Feast of Unleavened Bread in scripture, in the Tanakh, it is called the bread of affliction. 
In Hebrew, we call it lechem oni. Lechem oni. It's a lechem, it's a bread that is for the poor people. Why? Because there's no yeast in it, and it doesn't rise. It's just a flat piece of bread. It says here, thou shalt eat no leavened bread with it. Seven days shalt thou eat unleavened bread therewith even, notice, the bread of affliction. For thou camest forth out of the land of Egypt uh, in haste, that thou mayest remember the day when thou camest forth out of the land of Egypt all the days of thy life. You see, God wanted our forefathers to eat along with the Pesach, with the Passover meal and the Passover uh, 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 feast to have for seven days eating that bread of affliction. And indeed, our forefathers were afflicted. They were slaves. And they needed to be redeemed. And God, in a wonderful way, redeemed them by the blood of a land that was innocent. But along with that, as we just read in Deuteronomy chapter 16, where thou shalt therefore sacrifice the Passover unto the Lord thy God of the flock and the herd in the place which the Lord will choose to place his name there, thou shalt eat no unleavened bread with it, with the Passover. So there is a link between Pesach and Matzot. There is a link between the un leavened bread and the Passover lamb because both of these feasts link together. Because both of these feasts, beloved friends, speaks about the Messiah, Yeshua, who became the Lamb of God, who was going to come in the fullness of the time. And how wonderful we see that so clearly when God instructed Israel in Leviticus chapter 23, that on the 15th day, you remember on the 14th day is Pesach, on the 15th day of the same month is the feast of Chagamatzot, the feast of unleavened bread unto the Lord. Seven days ye must eat unleavened bread. And so our forefathers were commanded to keep that feast of unleavened bread. It is very interesting that in the book of Deuteronomy, one of the three feasts, three Moadim that our people of Israel were commanded to come to the city of Jerusalem to keep was the feast of Pesach. But notice, in Leviticus 16, verse 16, it is almost interchanging. And the Lord is using the feast of unleavened bread as if he is using the Feast of Passover because they are very much linked with each other because both of these feasts speaks about the life of the Messiah, the sinless life of the Messiah, and the substitutionary death of the Messiah, the Lamb of God. And so we read in Leviticus 16, 16, Three times in a year shall all thy male appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose in the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and in the Feast of Weeks, and in the Feast of Tabernacles. Chag Amatzot, Chag Shavuot, and Chag Sukkot. Those are the three feasts in, in which the a male man from among the people of Israel would have to come to keep that feast before the Lord. 
Now I would like us to see that, how clearly Chag HaMatzot speaks about the sinlessness, the, that which without leaven that was found in the person of the Lord Yeshua the Messiah. If Pesach represented the lamb, if the Passover lamb that was killed some 3,500 years ago represented the Messiah who came to become the Lamb of God, the unleavened bread represents the life of the Messiah who was without sin, who was separate from sin. I want to read a verse or two that are found in the Gospels. In the Gospel of John, we read in John chapter 8, in the verse 46, Yeshua was there in the midst of our forefathers, the people of Israel, in the land of Israel, and he asked them, he asked them, which of you convict me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do ye not believe me? He challenged them. And we can challenge each other today. Which of, one, which of us can convict this person of sin? None of us. Because he's the only one that was born into this world sinless. See, all of us have inherited the sin nature of our parents. Since Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden and plunged the whole human race into sin, we all have inherited the sin nature. That's what we read in Psalm 14, that there was no one that doeth good, not even one. But there was one alone who did not inherit the sin nature, whose name is Yeshua, who was born to the Virgin Miriam, sin apart. And he did not inherit the sin nature because he was born of the Holy Spirit of God. You remember what we read in Isaiah, in, the, in Isaiah chapter 53, we read of his, uh, 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 him being as the Lamb of God. But you remember what we read a bit earlier in Isaiah chapter 7, as I'm thinking of these verses that come to my mind as we share together in this time, we read that the prophet Isaiah predicted, speaking to the house of David and telling them, I'm going to show you a sign. I'm going to give you a sign, O house of David, in, in Isaiah 7, verse 13 and 14. Well, he says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. You see, he gave to the house of David this promise and the sign will be that a virgin, the Alma in Hebrew, will conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel, God with us. This is a supernatural birth of the Messiah who will be born to the Virgin Miriam. And indeed, my dear friend, how else could it be? How would it be possible 
for a holy God to accept mankind who fell into sin. It's just not possible without someone who is sinless to become a substitute. You see why it is so important that the virgin will bring forth a son that will have no seed of men involved, but by the Holy Spirit of God, he was born into this world. It is a miracle. And that's why Yeshua from Nazareth, who was born to the Virgin Miriam, was the only one who is qualified to become the Redeemer. Who else can be the one without sin, without living in him? Couldn't be you, couldn't be me, because we have living in us. And that's why he asked, which of you convict me of sin? And no one could convict him of sin. He was a sinless one. I mean, it is a miracle that there was such a man upon the face of this earth. Now, God has to open our eyes and to help us to see that, but it doesn't change the fact that in a person that was sinless without living had to be born into this world in order to die, to become a substitute for the rest of the people of the world. We read in uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 4, Seeing then that ye have a great high priest that is passed into the heaven, Yeshua the Son of God, let us hold forth or hold fast our profession, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted or tested like as we are yet without sin. When we are tempted and when we are tested, we find ourselves many times falling on our faces and committing sin. Again, because we have a sin nature. But he have experienced exactly, Yeshua, the Messiah, have experienced exactly what you and I are experiencing, yet the Bible teaches us that he had no sin in him. In chapter 7 of the book of Hebrews, we read, For such an high priest became us who is, notice, holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, made higher than the heavens. And so we read, beloved friends, that the unleavened bread is a representation, is a picture of the person of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah, who was the sinless one, the undefiled one, who came from heaven in order to become the Redeemer of mankind. See, when the Lord Yeshua the Messiah was here on earth, he constantly explained what leaven is. You remember what he said in Matthew chapter 13, when he shared about the various parable, he says in verse 33, another parable spake Yeshua unto them, and the Lord Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid it three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. 
And again, when you put leaven in the flour and water and you mix it with it, eventually it spread. And it the whole, you might say the whole dough become leaven. Why? Because leaven speaks of evil, speaks of sin which spread, which become ultimately, you might say, defiles everything and everyone. And so here is the kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven which a woman took and hid. The Hebrew word for leaven is seo or seo, yeast as we know it, and uh, for three measures of meal until the whole was leavened. In other words, to look at it, it spread. Some suggest that this, in the context here, that the whole kingdom of God eventually uh, had been uh, influenced by so much evil, that evil had been spread all around, like leaven is spreading all around. In chapter 16 of the same book of Matthew, and verse 6, we read, And Yeshua said unto them, Take heed, and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And then he explained himself a little bit later on. He explained to them that the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees is the leaven of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You see, beloved uh, 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 friends, leaven represent doctrine that is wrong. It speaks of evil. It speaks of sin. But you see, there was no sin in Yeshua, the Messiah. The Feast of Unleavened Bread reminded the people of Israel of the fact that in haste we left Egypt, but it was done because of the fact that the blood of the Lamb was placed on the doorpost and the lintel, and when God saw the blood, he was satisfied and he didn't judge the Hebrews. But God says, when I see the blood, the blood of whom? The blood of the lamb. But had the, blame, had the lamb was blem, had blemish in it, had the lamb was faulty and defected, God could not pass over that blood. God could not pass over that home. Because God knew that that lamb represented the Mashiach, the Messiah, who would come in the fullness of the time, who would be without sin. And God could receive his atoning death because he was the sinless one who now could become a substitute for sinners. This is amazing. When you really think about this, my dear friend, the apostle uh, Shaul Paul have instructed the Corinthians, and he mentioned this to the Corinthians. Don't you understand? In First Corinthians chapter five, he said to them in verse uh, uh, six, he says, "Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump?" Notice. You're glorying. You are being puffed up. It speaks of pride, which sin brings about in us all. And therefore he said to them, Purge out therefore the old leaven, 
that ye may be a new lump. Again, send away this evil, this leaven that represents evil. Take it away from your life. And then he said, for even the Messiah, our Passover, had been sacrificed for us. In other words, you see how there is a link between the Mashiach in his death and the Mashiach in his sinless life, which made him qualified to be the Savior, the Redeemer. Shaul Paul continue in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 8 to say to the believers at Corinth, Therefore let us keep the feast, not with the old leaven, not as leaven, yes, not with the old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness. No, because malice and wickedness come out of the heart of a sinful individual but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. You see, my dear friend, while Pesach represents our Lord Yeshua the Messiah as the Lamb of God who took upon himself the sin of this world, Chag HaMatzot, the unleavened bread, the feast of unleavened bread, represent the Messiah Yeshua as the sinless one is the one who was qualified to become the Redeemer, the Savior. And so when Israel, our people of old, have kept faithfully in the early days those, those feasts, they were reminded to look back at the deliverance from slavery, but to look forward for the once and for all Redeemer who will come, who will be sinless one, undefiled one, holy man, sin apart, but he will become the Messiah, the Redeemer through his death. He become a Passover through his substitutionary death when he shed his blood. That's the beauty of the gospel message because it shows us that the only way that God could redeem mankind is through one who was without sin. And who is it today? Who? We can look around, look at history. Abraham failed. David failed. Moshe failed. Look at the history of all humanity. Men fail. But there is one who is above all others. The promised Messiah of Israel and the Savior of this world who was born to the Virgin Miriam and had no sin in him. He is the one of whom we read in Hebrews uh, chapter 7. He was holy harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. Yeshua, the Messiah, is that unleavened bread. He is the one who is the bread from heaven, who was willing to die for our sins. So while Pesach speaks of his death, Matzot, unleavened bread, speaks of his 
perfection of his life, the sinlessness of his personhood. May the Lord direct our attention to him, and may the Lord open our eyes to see this loveliest person, the Messiah of Israel, and the Savior of this world. May the Lord open your eyes to see him whom to know is eternal life. God bless you, my friend. Shalom, shalom.